we uh, let's start and we'll ask the Lord to be with us and then we'll jump in. Okay, let's pray. Father, we're back here to learn about you. We want to hear from you today. Lord, I pray that you would keep our uh, keep us on track here, Lord, with with the message that you've given us in this book. I pray for everyone on their way and everyone coming here today, God. I pray that you would get them here safely. But I most importantly pray, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts to hear your word. We just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we are in the book of Acts, the first four chapters. If you Well, everybody, I think, was pretty much here um, the last two weeks. So what we were doing is, is we're looking at the first four chapters of Acts and we're taking different um, aspects of each chapter. We talked about chapter uh, one with the ascension and the uh, promise uh, of the Holy Spirit given by Jesus. He's saying that the, he's in not too many days from now, they would be baptized with the Spirit. And that was Acts chapter one. And then what happened in Acts chapter two? Let's just get our minds greased up here for the for where we're going. What happened in Acts chapter 2? First thing that happened in Acts chapter 2. The day of Pentecost, which means 50. Pentecost was 50 days after the, the Passover. Pentecost was 50 days after what other event? Giving of the law in the Old Testament. Yep. And really, Passover um, in in the time of uh, the Israelites it was it was fifty days after that, and then during the time of Jesus's crucifixion, he died on the Passover as well, or the during the Passover week. So it's fifty days, not actually from the day, because Passover is a whole week celebration. So it's it was fifty days after that week. What happened when the Holy Spirit came? Did they see? Did they feel? Did they smell? What happened? When the Holy Spirit came, they preached. They oh. speak in That's right. They spoke in different languages. What else? They, what's that? All people there they can understand why each other say. Yes, yes, they understood it. They couldn't understand why they understood. Everyone was hearing them in their own language, Jerry. Okay calling you out over there. This is not the gift of tongues. Why is that not the gift of tongues? There was no need for interpreters. Right. There was, there was, everybody sort of understood. The gift of tongues is, is something different, although it's from the same order of, of what sort of happened. We also... Um, These were existing languages. What's that? These were existing These were existing languages. And um, it was, it's, it's unique, too, if you, if, you, if you want to study this. If you take Paul's missionary journeys, his first and second missionary journey, the people that were at Pentecost from all those different cities that heard them speaking in their own language, then they went back to those existing cities. That's where Paul did his journey. So a lot of the people, uh, the way that God set it up was that these people would be there in Pentecost go back to their towns, probably talk about what happened, and then sort of be prepped, I guess you could say, for when Paul actually got there with the gospel. So that I think that's pretty pretty cool, too. Um, Excuse me, were they multilingual? 
uh, bilingual. They were everybody knew. Well, there were three, right? Y- yeah. Through the Aramaic and the Greek. Yes, Greek was the main language back then, so everybody knew Greek usually and something else or just Greek. Um, but it was yeah, I think it was Aramaic and and, and Hebrew in in Jerusalem, and then there was just you know d- dialects and I'm sure languages with each of those different countries and. What happened to Latin? I don't know. Yeah. The Romans, they were the Romans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure that was a prevalent language as well because Rome was was pretty much, would go and colonize these areas. So, yep. So you have all these different languages speaking. Uh, We have all these different people hearing them in their own language. And yeah, the first, there was, how many sermons were there in the first four chapters? Who, who's the one that the, who spoke those sermons? Peter is the preacher. <clears throat> Unique about Peter is that Peter was the denier of God. Peter was uh, denying Jesus when Jesus was about to be crucified, when he was in um, uh, Herod's court and um, the high priest's court, I'm sorry. Peter was there amongst the whole entire crowd and he was running. He was hiding. He, didn't want, he, did, he was probably afraid for his life. And now we see Peter boldly standing up, boldly proclaiming the gospel and literally calling out these people because he says, you are the ones. You are the ones that crucified the king of glory, the prince of peace. You, you're the one that... Uh, this is the one that God sent, and you crucified him. And what did they do? That Holy, the Holy Spirit that, that had indwelt them and gave them the power was now out unleashed into the world. And the Holy Spirit, it says here in verse 37, when they heard this, this Acts chapter 2, they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the brethren, uh, and, or the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? nothing better to hear when you're sharing the gospel when somebody says well what, what do I do if that's true like what do I do right and the answer is right here well just repent turn from your sins be baptized on the name of Christ and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and your children and all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call all right so that's chapter two. Chapter three is a healing. You know, Peter and John. Peter and John get sort of idolized for that healing. Oh man, he goes, no, brothers, this is by the power of Jesus that we got that this person stands before you made whole. They got arrested. <clears throat> they come out of being arrested the next day out of out of the temple jail, and they say words that each of us needs to be able to say. We, we must obey God. What's that? We must obey God. We must o- obey God instead of man, right. But also, before that, he says, we cannot speak that but that which we've seen and heard. Mm-hmm. We can't help but speak. Excuse me. I can't help but speak about Jesus. I had a friend of mine the other day, he called me, he said, Pat, I, I, he, he's a, uh, a business guy in the corporate world, and he was sitting around a table um, 
and he's in the he works at the political realm as well in his business and there was a group of just politicians and people sitting at the table and they all just start talking about abortion and he's super pro-life super vocal um and they're talking about the law in texas how ridiculous it is this personhood law and all this stuff and he said pat i just couldn't stay quiet he goes i had to say something i just couldn't not say and and take a stand there. And he engaged in the conversation. So that's what it's like. We cannot but speak. We just saw, we know the reality of abortion. We can't just let that conversation go by without giving God's perspective. And that's what these, these, these 12 apostles were like because of the Holy Spirit being in them, coming down upon them. They cannot but speak what they see and, and know because the Holy Spirit has given them that boldness. So right at the end of this chapter, first four chapters, uh, we see again, um, the, 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 them, they pray Psalm 2, because they were going and rejoicing that they were persecuted. They were so happy about that. And then they, they go back and they tell everybody in verse 23 and 4, everything would happen, and then they lift their voices with one accord, and they pray to the Lord, right? It wasn't a two-hour prayer meeting. It was just an expression of praise God, asking God for help. And God shows back up again visibly how. Did he come back in with the tongues of fire? Did they all start speaking different languages again? No. But wait a minute, that's how it happens, right? Isn't that when Jesus comes, doesn't all this have to happen when, he, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us? No. Very rarely, you don't see anything done the same way in the scriptures when it comes to God's presence coming down on somebody. Usually, it, God doesn't have a specific system there. But, but what's significant about it is that they were enabled by the Holy Spirit again with another filling and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. Because I can imagine, right? You're getting persecuted. It's your first time, right? Really. I mean, they got yelled at and stuff, but they always had Jesus around to help them. And so they go, and now they're actually getting thrown in jail. They're getting their life threatened, and they're scared. And they don't come together and say, what are we going to do? We got to get out of here. Let's go meet in uh, Samaria or something like that. We don't want to be meeting here in Jerusalem. No, they needed to be empowered again. And then what they did is they went out and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And that's what we see when it comes to the common denominator, what we're going to see throughout the whole book of Acts. Hey, Elvira. And what do we see in the very first four chapters of the book of Acts? is the equipping of the Holy Spirit, but not for, not for holy goosebumps, right? Not to feel good. It's not the equipping of the Holy Spirit so we can attract people to come to our church and we'll, get, we'll fill the room up. No, the Holy Spirit comes upon us in every single instance almost in the scriptures for three reasons. One of three reasons. Is anybody... It's in the scripture. i just give you a hint. I just said one of them when I talked about to preach, to speak the word of God with boldness. So it empowers us to preach boldly. 
So when you're about to go out into, into a situation to speak the word of God, especially when you know it, you can say to the Lord based upon his gift that he promised you, because it's unto all people in all generations, it says here, this gift. And again, don't get caught up in the gift. Well, is it the gift of tongues? Is it the gift? No, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a gift to us. So in, in, in a, when we need boldness, he comes to us to speak the gospel in a way different than he would when he's maybe helping you pray. He's with you, he's in you, but he also comes further upon you. Just like a, a, a parent, right? You have different ways that you help your child if they need it. Right, you may wrestle around with them and joke around with them, okay. And there may be times where you get physical with them for other reasons, right? They they need a smack in the head. You come upon them with a different attitude in a different way. If somebody else is fighting them, I'm going to come upon them in a different in another way, right? It's all different ways that the spirit. It's not three different dads. It's not three different ways, but the Holy Spirit being inside of us empowers us for preaching the word of God with boldness. What are, what's another way that we see the Holy Spirit coming upon us for, for what? The thing that I think about is um, conviction and comfort, the, the, the Holy Spirit, but I'm not sure that's the direction. Right, well, no, that's true, you see, and I'm glad you said that, Convic- conviction and comfort. Yeah. Right, so the Holy Spirit's in you, right? You have the Holy Spirit if you believe in Jesus. When you sin, you're going to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. When you are seeking God for, um, like like, uh, Pat said, comfort or rest or joy in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's in you. But that's different. This is a specific coming upon with power that God does. We don't do this. See, you, when you, go to, when you go to God for comfort, you're, that's more part of your sanctification, that the Holy Spirit's constantly working in you all the time. You're a part of that. You're a part of your sanctification. You have to obey. You want to turn from sin. You don't want to quench the Spirit. It's you and the Holy Spirit working together there. But when the Spirit comes upon in power, you have nothing to do with that. You can't make that happen. We have no power at all to sit there and drum up the baptism of the Spirit. Now, we have power inside of us, but the Holy Spirit is already living in us, okay? My dad is with me. He's next to me. He's protecting me. He's guiding me. He's doing all that. But I know if somebody attacks me, he's going to get stronger. He's going to come upon me in a different way. So the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you in the way that we're looking at in the first four chapters of Acts. He's going to come upon you in power for three reasons. And the one is to speak the word of God boldly. Okay. So this is different than sanctification. This is a different ministry of the Holy Spirit, this power that we get, and we can't drum it up. Okay. I can talk to the Holy Spirit right now and get very comforted and peaceful and be, and and say, wow, I just think of the reality of God living in me. And I can just rest in that. I'm in his arms. I could do that. But that's different than when I go up to preach today. I need to say, 
Lord, now I'm asking you for a, a special empowerment to be able to speak boldly. And that's up to you, Lord. Just keep me out of it and do it. And sometimes I'll preach and somebody will say, wow, you were filled with the spirit today. And I'll feel totally like I was not. I felt like it was a terrible message, right? Or, and vice versa. It's like, oh, man, I got everything perfect today. Well, I got all my illustrations. This one's good. That one's funny. They're really going to get it. And nothing happens. That's so funny. Yeah, <laughs> right. Nothing happens. It's not me. Sorry. Nothing happens extraordinary. That's not me. But in you, the Holy Spirit could be working, and it's, it's God's freedom. All right? So we see, we see it for boldness. We're also going to see it for testimony, right? We've seen that with, we see in Acts chapter seven, I'll jump a little further here. We see Stephen, a man, what? Full of faith and the Holy Spirit, who had a face like an angel when he was giving his testimony in front of the Jews and they couldn't refute him. Remember that? And they just, they couldn't even really look at him. And then they pick up stones and he's just, at total peace. And the Holy Spirit, it says that the Holy Spirit came upon him. It says here that, and you know, Peter, it says, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders, if we are on trial today for a benefit done, and he goes and he defends himself. So he's, he has the Spirit of God, obviously, to preach boldly, but it's also, in a sense, he's giving testimony here. And really, these are all sort of interconnected. The third thing is to do service for the Lord. We see people, again, that when you are serving God, he will give you that special equipment to do it. If you feel called, especially to a certain area by God in your life, you feel called to a certain job or you feel called to a certain ministry. I believe that every single time God has called me personally for something to do, whether it be uh, a film that I that I did, which I had no idea how to make movies at all. Uh, so that was something that I had to learn. And then first time going on set with, you know, a hundred people on our crew. And it was a little bit, it was scary and nervous, but I remembered that God told me that he wanted me to do this. So I knew that he would equip me to be able to, even as a director, be able to go out and do that work of service. And everything I've ever done for the Lord ministry-wise, I've always sought the Lord. This is just personal experience here, but I believe the scripture backs this up. Sought the Lord for that special anointing so that I know that, I, and it's a God thing. It's, a, I, it's, a, it's something that I've had to often really beg the Lord for for a while, but then I feel the confidence. And so when that's, this is why a lot of theologians say, well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with sanctification. And I know that theologically it's two different things, but I have to tell you, when the Lord comes upon you for the power to minister and testify, you get, uh, you get filled with the love of God and you do become sanctified. You become closer to the Lord and you... Uh, um, you know, you, you're just, you just know that you know that you know that God is, 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 is you're, you know, he's with you on this certain endeavor. And then you start to do things that were dumb or, you know, you're like, oh man, I made such, and you see God straightening and guiding you and moving you and doing it. So that's an amazing, and it's also a great assurance for what you are doing, 
You know you can look back and know that the Lord called you and he equipped you. Okay, so this is sort of what we're seeing here in the book of Acts now. We're seeing the foundation laid. We see the Holy Spirit that was being reserved in heaven in the presence of God, who the Holy Spirit's God. We see the Holy Spirit interacting in the Old Testament, coming upon people for, for prophecy, speaking the word of God, ministry, all these Old Testament prophets, they're doing all this stuff. Never just for the sake of, just for the sake of nothing. It's always God specifically doing it to build for his kingdom. <clears throat> but then when Jesus rose from the dead, okay, and he went to heaven and seated at, seated at, God, at God's right hand, he then unleashed the Holy Spirit out fully and, and freely now into the world to do, and I like... Uh, Somebody said it yesterday at, at the conference to do the mop-up job, okay? <laughs> to come and do the mop-up work that Jesus accomplished at the cross. And that's what we're doing, the mop-up work. Because now we're out there. The spirit is unleashed. The world can now hear the gospel, whereas before it couldn't without the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was contained and it only would show itself in certain situations and in the temple. He would, he would come down behind the holies of holies, that curtain, right? But now the holy of holies is ripped. The curtain is ripped. It's now out. We can go out with the, this is what the Holy Spirit, this is the exciting part of the Holy Spirit coming because we look at the Holy Spirit much differently than these people did in the book of Acts. So we got to get in their mindset because the reality of the kingdom of God, the reality of Jesus being Lord, the reality of things being made new. He's the one that was healing. He's making everything new. He's the one to come. And guess what? He rose the dead. Then he rose from the dead. And then he ascended. And this is what they said in the prophecy of Daniel, that the Messiah would ascend, sit at the right hand of God, and his kingdom would begin at that point, and it would go on forever. It would be a, a, without any end. And that's where like, this is what it's about. Jesus is alive, he is king. And that's where they went everywhere. And now this concept of, wait a second, you mean we're the temple? We're the place where God and man meet? We're the place where the Holy Spirit dwells? Yes, and now go take the temple everywhere to all nations. And so that's what we're seeing. But we are seeing here that there is a special equipping by God, the Holy Spirit, to enable us to do these things when he needs it and when he wants it. And so why, why do we want, why is this important? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So when they were doing miracles, isn't that a special anointing of the Holy Spirit? Yes. When the apostles, so is that covered under one or three? Yeah, well, see, you don't, but here's the thing. You see miracles without, a lot of times you see in the scripture and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was doing lots of signs and wonders, right. like Stephen, right? He was, a, he was a table waiter. He was a deacon, but he was, was an important job. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, yes. miracles. Yeah, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not necessarily a baptism that, that happens in all times. It doesn't always have to happen that way. It's not always when someone's filled with the Holy Spirit that they can even do miracles. Because right. look at, look at, look at um, 
or vice versa. They're not, the, the, the baptism isn't shown. Like Philip is a great example. So Philip was scattered everywhere. He went to Samaria to preach the gospel. And it says that he was doing many signs and wonders. But yet the people there didn't receive the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit. But they saw the Holy Spirit work through, through, through Philip. They received the Holy Spirit when they believed. But then they go, we better send John and Peter down there to pray over them that they would receive the baptism of the Spirit. So then we see them later get sent back down to Samaria, sent up to Samaria, and they laid hands on people and they received the Holy Spirit. So miracles, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're, and I would go far as to say that fruit, good fruit is not necessarily a, a prerequisite or, or even a, 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 you know, a reaction or a response of the Holy Spirit. You don't know what's going to happen. So there's not this. Wait, 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 what? Yeah, there, fruit, fruit, like in other words, um, good fruit, um, from your life, right? You, you're, you mean like love, joy? Yeah, yeah, like just love, joy, and, and just good fruit, like saying, um, you know, you could tell somebody's a Christian by the fruit of their life, the way that they run their house, the way that they speak, um, the ministry that they do. And then you have people that you sort of don't know. Like, I don't really know much about that person. I, they, they confess. God doesn't go, well, you're really bearing a lot of fruit, so I'm going to drop, you're going to, God will use anybody for anything when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'll see the Holy Spirit just fall on people before they even believe. I'm sorry, when they actually first believe. I believe in Jesus. They get converted. They get the spirit inside of them, but they also get the spirit, the power over them, and they start speaking in tongues like Cornelius. Maybe it was because the Gentiles needed to see this. He was one of the first Gentiles, you know, to become a Christian. And so that's how God did it there. So if God's, if you get it when you're converted too, that does, that means, presupposes that there doesn't have to be fruit, even, but there has to be conversion. I don't get that. Wait a minute, hold on. Yeah. I think that, you know, once you have the Holy Spirit in you, and you're living for the Lord, you should be, you know, the fruit of the Spirit should be coming, you know, it should be developing yes. in your life automatically, not automatically, but through God's Spirit. But I think that God has to give you extra power in order for that fruit to right. Absolutely. really do, um, you know, become evident in your life to the point where, you know, your, your, your ministry you're involved in is fruitful and God, you know, God is using you. So, I, you know, I... No, I agree with you. The anointing yeah. has to happen all the time. Yeah. To keep going. Yeah, see, that's what's so important that we, we, we want to make sure that we really stay focused on the, my definition of, the, of what I'm talking about. So what you're saying here is true, and I, I'm, I agree with that. But let's just say that scenario right there, God isn't looking at that and going, well, now I am going to, because Debbie is, has an anointing and everything she's doing and her life is fruitful, that doesn't mean that, well, that's the formula now. If you're like Debbie, you'll then get the power of God put upon you. So what you're talking about is sanctification, and I agree. You should have an anointing on you because you have the Holy Spirit in you. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit living in us should be... Absolutely. Everything that we've all been taught. Everything that we've all been taught. 
And maybe some of, maybe the, this here, now you could get, now this is the, in the scriptures, this is something different than that. Okay. That's what I'm trying to really get across to you guys, because that's where we have to sort of like unlearn some things because our mind always, when we think of the Holy Spirit in a regular, normal sense, we know he's doing it all. We know he's empowering us. You don't have to know the theology of the baptism of the Holy Spirit for him to be on, to be, for God to empower you with the Holy Spirit. When I, again, you have the Holy Spirit when you believe. See, the apostles, did they have the Holy Spirit before the day of Pentecost? When they accepted Christ, when they acknowledge him as, as Messiah. That's what, we're, that's what our theology says, right? When you know Jesus and you're converted, it is by the Holy Spirit yeah. that converts us. Yep. And Peter was touched by the Holy Spirit when he confessed Jesus as the Christ. When when Jesus flesh and blood had not has right. revealed this to you. Right. Say it again, Rich. I didn't hear it. Peter was touched by the Holy Spirit when he confessed Jesus as the Christ. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, like he just said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Thank you. Yeah. So again, and, and I'm dropped. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the scripture says, uses filled with the Holy Spirit and baptism of the Holy Spirit okay. to talk about this experience that, that, that happens. They so use that. Well, nope, filled. Oh, it, so hold on, hold on. You're, you, you, when you're converted, the Holy Spirit converts you and comes to indwell in you. Okay? Indwell is conversion. Uh, well, yes, you get the indwelling of the Holy Spirit when you're converted. All right. And then in scripture, we talk about, you know, there's not like a, a, met, a thermometer, like how much Holy Spirit do I have today? But if you think about that, it would be, well, if I'm grieving the Holy Spirit, That's the, fruit. the fruit. Yeah. But I don't think the Holy Spirit's like, oh, I'm, I'm leaving a little bit now because of that I'm coming back. I just think the Holy Spirit's in us and he's always there. And when we sin, you know, he petitions that before the Lord and we grieve him because he's a person and he loves us and he doesn't want us to sin. And so, but then there's a time when the Holy Spirit empowers us more and comes upon us. And that is called filled and baptized. Does every person experience that? No, nope. You could be a Christian your whole life and not experience it. And that doesn't mean to do with the person you're saying. Exactly. It has to do with With God God coming upon you. In this specific aspect of the Holy Spirit, if you don't have, if it's the Holy Spirit has never come upon you, number one, you may have not known it, or you may have, it doesn't make you a better Christian or worse Christian or whatever. It's just that God is using you for the way he's using you, and you have it indwelling in you. What, so we look through the scriptures to see when the Holy Spirit has come upon people, it was for the purpose of, of those three things. Ministry, <laughs> preaching. Testimony, service, like those that those three categories. Yeah, I know I gave you four, but testimony, <laughs> testimony, and preaching is sort of the same thing. When you change your words around, I know, and I do that a lot. Use the same first letter. Yeah, I know. All right. They told us in seminary, don't be, don't worry about trying to make all your points sound the same. All right. So, so at the end of Luke, yeah. Chapter 24, verse 49 says, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, 
but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Yes. That's what you're talking yeah. about. That's the ba- no, the, 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 yeah, that's the, baptism. That's the baptism of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And Jesus said, John said, I baptize you with water, but one is coming that's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so this has been talked about throughout the whole Gospels. But I want to get back to this now. Remember, when Jesus, at the end of John, Jesus blew onto his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So at that point, now we can all argue and say, well, they were believers before that, so they have the Holy Spirit, maybe. I know they were believers, but I know they were shaky, right? But maybe at that point in time, that's when there was a a no longer a need for Jesus just to keep opening their ears. He gave them the Holy Spirit, and now maybe they that was their their full conversion. I don't know. Yes. So in my understanding it like the Holy Spirit will come on occasions like he did in the Old Testament. Yes. But when the Lord Jesus left, he was permanently there. Yes. Yeah, it was permanent exactly. Very good. I think we're we're, one more question. I I know I've used up almost That's okay. Um, (laughs) when 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 Saul, King Saul in the Old Testament. Yeah. Starts, the spirit comes on him and he starts prophesying. Yep. You know, and we view him as probably someone who wasn't a believer. Yeah, yeah. In a sense. What, what happened there? Okay, so the Holy Spirit is a great question. What about the Old Testament? So in the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit coming upon people for power. This is a foreshadow of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit didn't necessarily indwell every believer there because it wasn't said yet. And so we're going to talk about this today in the sermon. What happened to those Old Testament people? How did they get converted? What is going on? We're going to talk about that. I don't want to give, uh, give it now, but I don't want to go off on a rabbit trail. But the, the, the think about it this way. The whole baptism of the Holy Spirit is of the order of the baptisms from the Old Testament. It's of the same order, but it's not the same thing because... Uh, the Holy Spirit indwells believers here in the New Testament, and it shows up, empowers people to speak, and then and then lifts off, just like the tabernacle, right? The, the, it would come down on the ta- the cloud would come down. So again, same. T- it's all the same God, same order, but instead of the tabernacle, the Holy Spirit coming down upon the tabernacle, the Holy Spirit comes down upon the new tabernacles, which is us. And it lives in us. So the Holy Spirit lives in us, like in the Holy of Holies, and it comes down upon us to be visible for power in the world to see. I think it would help if we stop Excuse me. Sorry, I'm going to... No, I burped. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it would help if we stop <laughs> suggesting that being filled with the Holy Spirit uh, is different uh, from ha- having the indwelling Holy Spirit. We are filled with the Holy yes. Spirit. Yes. Okay, and... The sanctification process increases that as, as we surrender and submit. Yes. What you're talking about is the distinction that I think you're making is the baptism is different than the indwelling. Yes, building. exactly. Okay. That's what I am. That's why we're getting a lot of the, that's why I want to flesh this out. 
because there is a lot of confusion on it. What we're reading about, whether you believe it's, it's effective now or not. Let's say you're like, well, the gifts are, the extraordinary gifts are no longer for the church age. They were only for the beginning of the church. The Holy Spirit doesn't baptize people anymore. Let's just say that's how you believe. Even if you believe that, what's happening here in the first book of Acts isn't sanctification. This is a, a distinct empowering, different than any other thing in the Bible. This is new. This is not sanctification. This is not the drawing of the Spirit. This isn't the regeneration. This isn't the gifts of the Spirit, the word of wisdom, the word of, uh, you know, word of knowledge, speaking in tongues, miracles, healings. This isn't the gifts of the Spirit that I'm talking about. I'm talking about power coming down upon us as believers to do certain things. Yes. We know that to be true because there is one act of the, of the Holy Spirit that has stopped, which is obviously the, the written word, right? Peter tells us um, that he wrote the word of God. You know, men yes. moved by the Holy Spirit are the, is the result. It's our scripture. He's the author of the Bible. Yes. So that's a work that stopped. But it's but again, I'm talking about the extraordinary works and the gifts of the Spirit, not the work of the Spirit. The work of the Spirit never stops. Right. No, the work of the Spirit inspired the Bible. Right. Yes, but the I would say that that the writing of the Bible it isn't included in the baptism of the Holy. They weren't baptized in order to write the Bible. You understand that they were the Holy Spirit used men to write the Word of God. And now we know the canon's there, but now we have the gift of the Spirit, which is prophecy, which is teaching and, and translating and teaching the Word of God. So the Holy Spirit's still working there. The Holy Spirit needs to equip and to, 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 to make that Word alive, otherwise it doesn't do anything. So again, again, that is great, Rich. I agree with you there, but that's not this. That's not what's going on here. This is a, this is, the father next to the son helping him write compared to the father empowering the son for, you know, these words to, to write in that analogy. So there's two different applications that the father is next to the son. He's with him, helping him write and inspiring him to write. That would be the word of God. But then there's times when the Holy Spirit comes upon that son who can look at that word and now be able to really speak it boldly. That's what this is. The Spirit comes upon us so we can preach boldly, we can do ministry, we can do works of service. And that's, and and again, this, this is, why is this even important? Well, again, I think, personally, this is one thing that we miss as a church, not faith, but as as a church in general, is we don't realize the the impact of what, the, of what God is saying here in the Bible when he's saying he dwells in us, but yet also gives us and empowers us to do extraordinary things for him when he wants to do it. And I just think it's almost grieving the spirit by not expecting and waiting on God to give us and empower us in anticipation because that's the way they do it in the book of Acts. You see, so what we do is we interpret the Bible, especially the New Testament, 
in terms of the life of the church now. Let's tell the life of the church now. We don't see miracles and, you know, nobody needs to see miracles because everybody has the Bible and all that stuff. And that's not true because around the world, most people don't have the Bible. We think they do, but there's thousands of languages that still don't have the Bible, right? And so we interpret it around our own life of the church here when we got to get rid of that and start looking through the lens of what the scripture says. Because if the book of Acts is not applicable for me now today, then I don't know if the book of Romans is going to be applicable to me or the book of John or the, the book of Acts to me is a gift from God showing us what he wants us to be like, not what he wants us to do, but he, what he wants us to be like people that are in the word, in the apostles doctrine, in prayer, in fellowship and waiting on the Lord to do something big. Waiting on the Lord if he wants to show up and empower us. He wants to bring people here today that, are, that have never heard you before. If somebody pulls up and needs help or whatever. I just, we just have to be open and ready for the Holy Spirit to do whatever it is. And I think when we limit the Spirit, potential, we are quenching the Spirit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we have a few more minutes. Does anybody else have any questions? Uh, I think... This was good. We will probably spend some more time on it next week, eventually, because I want to get to the prophecy of Joel. But I don't care if we sit here all day. I don't care if we sit here for months, because this is how important it is. Are you suggesting that we uh, can somehow work it up? See, when you when you talk when you when you talk like this, um, it's it's not the will of man. Or I'm not. I, I I'm trying to understand. Uh, how to receive this baptism that you're talking about. Yeah. Okay, so is this something that, that we ask for? No. It's, it, it's, it's God's, I, I, I yeah. Access, are you saying, so when he has a special project, I'll say, um, he empowers you to do that special project? He empowers you to do whatever, yeah, for his will. And it's usually speaking the word of God, witnessing or ministry. And yes, Rich, we cannot conjure it up. Right. But we have to, I believe we need to seek God for it because he's our father and we're asking him for, for this. Like the Bible tells us to pray but, for it. But like we ask for anything else that, mm. you know, requires like, you yes, know, like Pastor Frank said yesterday, you know, uh, we meet God where, where, where we meet God at the impossible. Right. I, 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 I hear that. I understand that. And we do that. Um, not necessarily. I don't know. Is it, is it necessarily for ministry or is it? I think it's for anything. It's for anything. Anything. That's yeah. what I said. Whatever God empowers you to do, it could be your job. Yeah. Like to speak to, to speak the word of God just in, in that or to see how it's effective in the kingdom and so forth. The, the model though, right, that we just read at the end of chapter four is after Peter and John leave the Sanhedrin, they gather with the believers and they pray for boldness. Yeah. Right? And God answered them. And then the Lord answered them. So I think they, uh, there's the model, not that we're going to be answered in that exact same way, mm -hmm. but they're, they're, they were praying, they were asking essentially for that help by the power of the Holy Spirit to continue having been threatened with their lives. So I think the human reaction is to hide. And they, were, they had to go be into the impossible, which was to 
continue to preach despite threats to their lives and livelihood and all that. Mm -hmm. So they prayed for boldness, and the Lord answered with the Holy Spirit. So, right? Yep, absolutely. I think we all have to pray uh, and seek it. Of, of course, yeah. Well, he pro- we have to plead it to God. But yeah, fearful. But maybe when we pray for it, it's it's so much bigger than what we anticipate it would be. Do you know what I mean? Okay, so I pray that I, I that I have the the faith to go and continue to do this. But when that spirit comes upon it, it was so much greater, so much more magnificent than possibly what they were asking for. You're walking in the rain. You're walking in the rain. You're getting drizzled on. And then all of a sudden, you get the storm. It pours on you. You get drenched. And then it slows down. That's the baptism of the Spirit. It's always raining. We always have the Spirit here. And then at certain times, it comes down. You can't do it, Rich. I can't do it. But... We are to know that this exists beyond just having the spirit in us for all the goodies that we know. And, and, so, and, then I, and so let me just read the scripture, Elvira, and then I'll, I'll get, take your question. So Jesus says, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it'll be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. Will he not give him a snake instead of a fish? Will he? No, wait, he will not give him a snake. <laughs> he, sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. or, or if he's asked for an egg, will he, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will, you'll have, will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So this is not the Holy Spirit to believers because he's talking to believers, their father. You will ask, and this is not a cheapo ask, like, oh, God, please just bet. This is a, a Jacob moment where you're wrestling with God and not letting him go until he blesses you. Sorry, I'll be right, go ahead. No, I, 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 because I'm trying to understand it. I yeah. think what I get is like when we think of God's sovereignty, Right? Yeah. And it's it is one of those very difficult things to understand the sovereignty of God and my free will. And it's it's like this tangled situation. Yep. But ultimately in this it's the sovereignty of God to give the spirit to who he wants and my desire and expectation to to be given this to serve him. Yes. And I think it's a constant I, I think at least as believers we need to believe that the Lord can do these things, uh, whether it's to, to testify, to share the gospel, to live a holy life, to have the fruit. Some people don't even believe they can have the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. Like, so I think, I think that's why it's such a wrestling match in my mind. Yeah. There's something that I need to do, but mm-hmm. God doesn't need me to do anything. Right. To do it, but there is something I need to surrender, but God doesn't need me. Yes. Me. So it's like... It's a relationship yeah. of faith. And so ultimately it is expecting the Lord, well, actually, that the Lord will do great things yes. in spite of. Yes, and he will do, he could do amazing things. He could, the move of the Holy Spirit would be something. And again, there's, there's more teaching on this that I'd love to go through, but usually in every case, it's visible. Something happens, whether it's supernatural or 
one day, 50 people show up here that we don't even know, we haven't even seen before. And they said, you know, God led us here. We broke down and we just said we want to come and, and they get saved. You know, that's the Holy Spirit. We would see that happen. Holy Spirit came down and did something. You know, um, it, it, the Holy Spirit will come upon you when you go out and you start to share the gospel with somebody. And, and like Frank was saying yesterday, all of a sudden they're like, someone comes out here and goes, I want to receive Jesus too. And that happens to him like every day. He tells me a story that he's driving on, you know, and something happens. And that's the Holy Spirit coming down. Can it happen without it? Yes. But that, read the revivals of the past, the history from the New Testament church to now. Just read about them. I love reading about revivals. And in every situation for where there was authentic conversions, I'm not talking about name it and claim it and come see the healing seminars and all this other stuff. I'm talking about in every situation where people, where the bars in town closed and the churches overflowed, it was a visible power of God that was there. God showed up and he does it to revive his church. That's why I want to get it. So I want us to expect God to do something. I don't want us to, 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 to try to turn the lights down and play some really you know, cool slow music and, uh, and start whispering to everybody and put, get you. I don't want that. I don't want to do anything at all. I just want to see, I just want to have God be able to work here and I want us to expect it. And so I, I wrote down, uh, Rich's question is, well, how do we seek it? And so I'm going to give you these really quick just because I want to leave you with something this week. I would say that what I do to the Lord with the Lord is I, I read the promises of the Holy Spirit back to him and I pray them back to him. Luke 11 is a big one for me. Lord, you said who, you know, you're going to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. I need it. I ha- I'm asking for it to, those who- to ask for it. This, I believe, and, and most commentators believe, he's referring to the baptism of the Spirit here. We read Wayne Grudem. Uh, Wayne Grudem says a systematic theology that's a modern-day systematic theology. He's a brilliant guy, and uh, I love his systematic theology. But go to buy his systematic theology and read about the Holy Spirit. Um, he has a really good uh, some stuff on there. But here, here's what you go. Number one, no claiming it or taking it. We have to know it's God that does it. Don't put time limits on God. Don't sit there and say, well, Lord, you know, by Friday, I need this, you know. (laughs) Realize, here's the big thing. Realize the possibility. And this, what we're doing is we're seeking uh, for the love of God to be shed abroad in our hearts. Uh, the promise is Luke eleven thirteen, Acts two thirty nine, and and I like I put here desperation, and that's really what it, you have to be desperate before God, in my opinion. But that when God moves, God and for some has this compassion for us when we desperately seek Him, desperately seek His power. Without and Jesus tells us, be persistent, be persistent. He shows up. So if you guys uh, will end there. And if you want um, any questions, let me know. Great questions. Thank you, Rich and, and uh, uh, Debbie and, and Claudia, Kevin, Elvira, everybody's got, Pat. You guys got great questions. I, I want to talk these things through. And so maybe write down some questions for next week. We'll start out with next week with this, some review, and then we'll jump into the prophecy of Joel, and then we'll move on to Acts 5 to 10. All right. So who wants to pray? Oh, you'll pray us out. Go ahead.
Father God, we praise you for your word. Thank you, Father, that you really love us and you desire that we would know you better, that we would seek you in all things. Father, we pray that um, the preaching today from the pulpit would, would open our hearts to love you more deeply, to seek you more fully, and to worship you in truth and in light. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.